All right. Thanks for the warm welcome. <laughs> hey, our names are Scott and Kristen Kadersha, and we struggle with sarcasm right now. So we've, uh, we've been married for almost 15 years. There's a cute little wedding picture of us, I think, somewhere along the way. If I put it in the slides, I may not have. We are the parents of four boys, boys that are 12. We got twins that are 12 years old, a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old. Uh, I get to serve on staff here in the marriage ministry. And uh, so what I get to do, my, my title's a really long one. I'm the director of premarital and newly married ministry, which means I work with a lot of cute, young, happy couples who have no idea what real life is like when you get married and how hard it can be at times. Uh, I love what I get to do. Um, in fact, you might get like all these uh, young couples that are going by that are like, they're fit and they're happy and rose-colored glasses. Those are the ones I get to be with most every week. And, and I love my job because we get to talk about how beautiful marriage is and also how hard it can be at times. And so I've gotten to do that for about 10 years. We, uh, we met as a couple in the fall of 1997. I was in physical therapy school and I was a student. And as part of PT school, you do these clinical rotations for a couple months. And so I got assigned to a hospital in Atlanta, and Kristen was my teacher, which was pretty awesome and, and kind of awkward because I barely noticed her, but for her, it was like this love and lust at first sight, <laughs> especially when she told me, like, if I didn't make out with her or if I didn't, you know, do stuff, go on a date with her, she said she would fail me. And so it got to be this really awkward period of our time, of our life for a couple of years, a couple of months. And yeah, that's not quite the truth. Um, <laughs> reality was it was a little bit flipped. Um, so Scott, it was love at first sight for Scott, and it took me about four years to kind of catch on. Um, <laughs> so we did after lots of ups and downs in our dating and breaking up and then getting really getting right with the Lord and then getting back together. Um, we got married in the fall of 2001, and um, we moved to Dallas for Scott to go to seminary, um, and in spite of kind of every effort for those first four, six years here, we tried to figure out a way to get out of Texas, um, but the Lord just had us right here, and we are so glad. Um, I was just talking to somebody today, like, I can't imagine being anywhere else, um, married to somebody that does anything else, so um, we have been here since 2002 and, and love it. Um, we've spoken at Reengage a few times over the last couple of years. A lot of times we, we teach, um, but tonight we're going to kind of do things a little different and more of a testimony. Um, just like any of you here tonight, we struggle um, just because he's on the marriage team and we've been doing marriage ministry for 10 years officially. Um, it doesn't mean that we don't struggle or that our challenges are really any different from all of you, whether it's communication, conflict, sex, money, parenting, all those things. Yeah, so tonight we're going to talk about something that's really not talked about very often within church or within the body of Christ. And we're not going to talk about sex, but we're going to talk about something else that's, that seems to be a little bit taboo. We're going to talk about eating, exercise, weight, and body image issues. And for my entire life, I'm 43 years old now. For as long as I can remember, I struggled with being overweight. I, I take that back. There were a couple of years when I had swollen tonsils, and I got them taken out when I was probably seven, six or seven, and I haven't stopped eating since, is, uh, is the way that I think about it at times, and in many ways it's true. And there's been seasons when I've done really well. There's been um, 
much longer seasons when I've struggled. Uh, we got married in 2001. That was one of the seasons when I did well. Like I wanted to look good on my wedding day. I wanted to impress Kristen. And so there were periods, and it wasn't even, it was really more like before I put a ring on her finger that I did really well. Once I had the ring on the finger, I kind of let myself go again because I already won the girl. And, uh, and there's been ups and downs along the way. And it has not been a winning battle for most of my life as an individual and then as, as a couple. For me, the issue is really heightened by the fact that my dad died of heart disease when he was 39. I was six at the time. He left behind a um, six-year-old, a three-year-old, and a single parent, my mom. Uh, By God's grace, I just turned 43. But in many ways, when I look at where my dad was at 39 and where I am now, my health is so much worse in many ways than his was. And so it really is by God's grace that I think I still have a heart that works and still able to live and breathe. And this has been my issue. Yeah, there's the, you'd be amazed at the list that a pastor can have of the things that I struggle with. You know, pornography is part of my story, anger, low self-esteem and low self-worth, self-hatred, suicidal thoughts. Those are all part of my history. Some of those things I'm doing well with. Uh, all of them I'd say I'm doing really well with, but some of those are still an issue at times. Anger, lust, esteem and worth. But we've seen God do some incredible things in all of those areas. There's been one area of my life where there's been repeated failure and a lack of victory, and it's been this area of eating and wellness. This is, without question, my 2 Corinthians 12 thorn in the flesh. When Paul talks about pleading with the Lord to take it away and it won't go away, this is that issue for me that just will not get out of my life. So the focus tonight will seem very heavy on Scott's sins and his struggles, but um, just to be clear, that does not make me um, perfect or not guilty in this. And we'll, we'll kind of point out some of the things that I did just to con- kind of contribute to this particular area, but I have my own struggles as well, control, anger, insecurities. And so we're not focusing on Scott, but more what happens when you work together on one of the two spouses' sin and struggle and how just working together opens the door for healing and hope. And more than anything, this is, this is a story of hope. Um, it's not done. It probably never will be. Like Scott said, like it's a thorn in his flesh. And so there will be days that we will celebrate and there will be days where we have to challenge one another to, to push on. Yeah, so a few facts just to help this set, set this up. I have not honored God or taken care of my body well. So 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Some translations say you were bought at a very high price. So glorify God in your body. There have been many ways where I've not glorified God in my body. Second, my struggles are genetic. I inherited a really crappy set of genes from my mom and my dad. I could blame part of it on them. Uh, Part of it's their fault. Part of it's my family of origin. I'm not shifting blame, but that's just the reality. Some of you inherited a bad set of genes. Okay, there's in every, every set of gene pool and every set of DNA, there's some good and there's some bad. I got a really bad set uh, of DNA when it comes to the body and some of the struggles there. Regardless, I, I have not handled that well. I've failed and I've not responded well over the years. Third, we've spent a lot of money over the years on medicine, doctors, lost energy. Uh, There's been worry. There's been anxiety. There's been stress along the way. Fourth, it's affected our marriage financially. It's been insecurity. It's been comparing myself to others. There have been times when I haven't had energy for Kristen and for the kids 
We've been stressed and it's affected my marriage that way. It affects my schedule because right now I've got to get up really early in the morning, a couple days a week to go work out, which means Kristen is left behind holding, kind of holding the rock of the family metaphorically. She's taking care of the kids, getting ready for school and picking up a lot of the work right now because of my issues and my struggles. There's been conflict over my health. There's been tears in the midst of frustration, exhaustion, and fatigue from losing the battle. Fifth thing I would say is that I do well for short seasons of time only to fall back repeatedly into bad patterns. And so I just mentioned five things that really apply to every single one of us, regardless of your issues, whatever they are. We don't steward and handle our bodies well. There are times when we're close with Jesus. There's times that we're not. There's times that genetics or circumstances outside of our control affect our relationship and affect our marriage. There are times when our issues cost us money and time and stress and anxiety, whatever your issues are, whatever your challenges are. And all of us do well in some seasons only to fall back into bad patterns. And so whether your issue is similar to mine or not, this talk is for you. I think part of the tendency whenever I talk about eating or wellness is for people to say, well, I look pretty good. I don't struggle with that. And so this is not not a talk for me. Everything that we're gonna communicate tonight applies to every single one of our marriages, whether you have the same issue as me or not. So since the end of April, 2013, we've had um, some significant ups and downs, but we have turned a corner. So tonight we're gonna share a couple of lessons that we learned along the way. The first one is life change often happens best in the context of community. And so you sit here, um, whether this is your first taste of community or um, you've been in community all along, but you know that this is one way just to kind of jumpstart your life change. And so every time we have grown, especially, it involves a level of community. So whether it is re-engage or community or a class here that you're taking or even just close friends that will give you a level of accountability and community. So for years, we have been in community, but I have played community. What that means is I show up, I do the deal, I do the homework, I read the book, but I lie and I let people see what I want them to see. I'll give people the full picture for a week and then a couple weeks later I would quit or I'd give them the picture that I want them to see. When I do well eating, I tell them about how I'm doing. When I exercise, I tell them. When I'm struggling, they don't hear about it. And so I have played community for years. I pretended and some of you know what that's like. You might show up in group, you might sit there, you might do the homework, but you're just playing. You're messing around. And in the process, you and I miss out on the enormous benefit that community can be. There came to be a point when I just got tired of playing and I said I needed to get really real about this. And so on May 8th, four days after my birthday, this was three years ago, I wrote a letter to a group of about 20 guys and copied my wife on it. I won't read the whole thing, you'll get a blurb of it. But it said, men and Kristen... This is an email that is way overdue in my life, but no better time than the present to get it out. As you all know, I struggle with weight, exercise, health, and wellness for a very long time, really my whole life. The challenges boil down to overeating, food idolatry, lack of commitment and follow-through, deceit and hiding, laziness and passivity, and probably other areas. There's way too much on the line for me to be complacent in this area of my life. The Lord has stewarded to me an amazing wife, four boys who need a healthy daddy, family and friends that I love, and a great ministry in Watermark. It is time to make some changes and not short-term changes, but permanent changes. And so that really opened up the door for me to say, I'm tired of playing and messing around. I need to be real. 
And so there was a period of time when they got a report from me every single week that said, literally, here's everything I put in my mouth the last week. Here's the times I've exercised. Here's what I've done. Here's the weight on the scale. And it was really helpful for me. Now, I don't do that to the same extent now, but every week my guys get a full report on how I'm doing. They know where I'm struggling. They know where I'm doing well. They know how many times I've exercised. They know in general, did Scott have a good week of eating? Did Scott have a bad week of eating? What also happens in the process is that Kristen is looped into every single one of those conversations. She doesn't come to our community group guys time, but she knows what I tell them, how I'm doing, and we look for ways for me to pull her in to my struggle and my battle so that she is not sitting there as an outside observer, but actually involved in the process of growth. So some of you have prayed for a long time that your spouse would start working on your marriage. You've prayed that they would come to church or specifically that you would all get to come to re-engage. I know there have been many times you've wanted to quit, give up, you've lost hope, but somehow you've pursued the Lord and prayed anyway. For years, I had prayed um, just for the physical wellness of Scott and that the Lord would somehow gently get his attention. Um, So when Scott wrote this letter to these guys, there was a level of relief, like the pressure for me to be kind of that responsible um, person alone was lifted. Um, And so it just, it allowed those guys to do some of the prodding and the the pushing and it offered a new level of accountability for him and also a new level of encouragement, which was huge. In Hebrews 3.13, it says, But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I've watched these men rally around my husband and challenge and encourage him every day. And that, that continues now, like he said, on a different level. But there are still guys that will check in with him weekly and some um, in, in longer chunks of time. So the question for you all to ask yourselves is how are you involving your community and are you asking them to pray for you and are you being completely honest and open with where you are and whatever your struggle is? So really the reality that boils down to either you choose community or isolation is going to choose you. Even if you're in re-engage, you can be fully isolated. Even though you're married, you could be alone. The second is that you need to grow in your affection for Christ. I learned that I needed to see my sin and call it sin and address it accordingly. And so wherever we are in our walk with Christ and our marriage, one of the problems is that we often don't see our sin clearly. I could see Kristen's sin very, very clearly, okay? But I have trouble seeing my own. Now, to be really clear, eating is not a sin. Thank you, Jesus, that it's okay to eat. There's no verse that says, thou shalt not eat chocolate cake or pizza or whatever it might be for you. The problem is when we run to food for comfort or sorrow, when I have idolatry for food, when I think food is gonna make me happy, when work is hard, when parenting's hard, when marriage is hard, but if I eat some food, it's gonna make everything better and all my problems are gonna go away. That's, that's the same thing for every one of us. When we struggle with a sin and we think it's going to provide life, it's called idolatry. What I've had to learn over and over again is that uh, food will never ultimately satisfy me. We need food to be sustained and to live and for energy, but, but food can never be Jesus. Food is never going to deliver me. Now, some of you, um, and I have to say this every time we do this, some of you think I have it really easy. Some of you go, well, man, if your issue is food, you should look at my life. 
I struggle with porn, my spouse had an affair, alcohol, drugs, whatever it might be. You think your problems are worse. And just as a, a level of, of education that I think I need and we all need, eating is as much of an addiction as anything else. It's sin, it's idolatry, it's looking for life anywhere apart from Christ. And so some of you might think, well, Scott, your problem's easy. Just stop eating. And I tell you, stop getting angry. Stop looking at porn. Stop cheating on your spouse, whatever it might be. It's sin, and I've got to call it sin. The problem is when we think other people have it easier than us. When I realized that my problems were as legitimate as anyone else's is when the healing really began. 1 Corinthians 6.12 says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. I have been dominated by food. I have a sin problem when it comes to food. I justify my behaviors. I think everyone's problems are worse than mine, and mine can be so much more significant. End of the day, that's pride. Whenever we think that our problems aren't that big of a deal, when we think our spouse is the bigger problem, it's pride and it's selfishness. And when I finally realized that our marriage isn't going to get better, my health is not going to get better, until the day when I realized that my sin is a sin, when I worked on my part of the marriage instead of focusing on what Kristen could do better. So sometimes we are so engrossed in our own struggles that we can't see them clearly. When we've lived a certain way for our entire lives, we often don't realize the depth of the dysfunction. And so like it or not, marriage provides us with a full-length mirror or spotlight that allows us to see ourselves clearly. And that spotlight is your spouse. So unlike any other human relationship, marriage allows us to see our sin struggles for what they really are. So for you all, the question here is, are you hiding, justifying, excusing your sin? Are you deceiving your spouse um, or others knowing that it's not God's best just by justifying it? So the second thing is to call your sin what it really is and address it accordingly. Third is to win your spouse over without nagging. 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2, no elbows, that's just off you, okay? 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2 says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, even when they see your respectful and pure conduct. And so it's written to wives that the principle works both ways. The concept is that we're never going to win our spouse over by nagging them or by constantly tapping them on the shoulder and telling them it's their fault. Now, my wife has had to put up with a lot over the years, financial struggles, medical bills, lost time and energy with the kids, lost sleep, uh, less energy to serve. And all along the way, she has done a tremendous job of not nagging. She has sacrificed because that's what we do in marriage. Okay, we put the needs of the other before our own. She has exemplified Philippians 2, 3, and 4, not 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2 of nagging me over and over again. So Proverbs 27, 15 through 16 says, A continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. To restrain her is to restrain the wind or to grasp, grasp oil in one's right hand. So often when our husbands fail to lead our family, we want to nag them, thinking that that will change their hearts. And we forget that only Jesus can do the changing. We think if we don't remind them or correct them or challenge them, they will never go. Grow. So instead, we are to win them over by our contact. So that being said, so there is a fine line here. Um, there were some times when I could and should have pu- pushed or nagged, nagged further. So I knew that this was a struggle for Scott and a sin, and I knew that um, 
While I wasn't promoting his overeating or passivity, I did not encourage or challenge him enough to make some changes, whether that was pushing him towards community or whatever that looked like. Um, I could have done more to challenge him and get either get rid of the food in our house or put more pressure on our community group guys to challenge him. There are a lot of things that I should have done or could have done. Um, so there is that fine line between not wanting to be that drippy faucet and not wanting to hurt your spouse or confront and have the hard conversations. So even if you're afraid of hurting your spouse's feelings or making them mad, when you passively stand by and you watch them continually fall into the same patterns, you are not participating in their spiritual growth. So how is your conduct as a spouse? Are you doing more nagging? Um, is your conduct such that you would win them over by your Christ-likeness? And what is the conversation that you're afraid to have with your spouse today? Last one is that there's, this is so much more than a 30-day diet or a 16-week ministry. I am the master of the fad diet and the quick exercise program. You name it, I have done it. Let me give you a short list. South Beach, the Daniel Fast, P90X, Insanity, Boot camp shakes, the shred, eating ice cream while watching The Biggest Loser, whatever it might be, I, am a, I do a great job of jumping on a bandwagon, jumping on a program, and killing it for weeks. The problem is when the 30 days is done, when the 12 weeks is done, I return back to the old patterns as soon as the accountability and the program is done. What I've learned is that any time I look for a quick, easy, short-term solution to a long-term sin problem... It will never, ever work. And so I've learned what Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, that I've got to persevere. It's a long obedience in the same direction. There is no quick fix that's going to get rid of my problems. I've got to learn to run the race with endurance. It's a marathon, not a sprint when it comes to my wellness. So in the same way, as we just kind of joked, um, the 16 weeks your marriage will not be necessarily fixed. It may be in a much better spot. It may be kind of stuck. But the solution that God has given us to our long-term sin problem is never just short-term obedience. It's always long obedience in the same direction. So um, nothing will change when you're done here um, unless you keep going. And that means at the end of the day, the best program is, and I think these are kind of re-engaged words, or maybe they're Susan's, God's words, God's people, and God's spirit. That's what you need. So some of you have been re-engaged for three weeks and you are ready to write it off and say it's not working. It took you a long time to get here. It's going to take you a long time to get out. In the same way that I can't expect to wake up tomorrow eating one good day and wake up and expect to get on the scale and be 30 pounds lighter or running one day a mile and thinking I could run a half marathon the next day. One other thought, and I say this with with all respect, uh, but I have to say it, is that every time I talk about this, someone approaches me with a product they want to sell me or a workout class. And and, and I'd really like, genuinely, I know it's been great for you, but like, I just want to ask that you would respect um, my wish is here and say, please don't tell me you've got the solution. Okay, the solution is for me to honor God with my body, to be in community, to address my sin accordingly, to take a long-term view on this thing, to involve my spouse, to involve others. It's a long obedience in the same direction. That's the program that has worked for me. It's getting in God's word. It's God's spirit and God's people. 
Okay, so honestly ask yourself, are you in for the quick fix? Are you in for the long haul? What's your perspective? What are you expecting? Are you uh, thinking that you're going to be fixed when the workbook is done and you're done with lesson 16? My encouragement to you, and I'm I'm in a workout group right now that's 12 weeks, and it ends tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Our coach has told me, and I love the way he says that, is that tomorrow is the, be- let me get, it's the beginning of the, no, it's the end of the beginning. Okay, which means it's the end of the 12 weeks, but it's just the beginning of a long-term process when I continue to honor God with my body. Now, as we wrap up and our notes are kind of down, I have one other thing to share here and then one final challenge. And so there, there have been some seasons when we've done really well. This is three years ago that I wrote that email. You know, I, I weigh almost exactly the same as what I did three years ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm, um, if we want to just be totally candid, I'm about 12 pounds less than where I was when I started three years ago. I weigh a lot. 12 pounds on my wife would be, would be a lot. 12 pounds on me is nothing. Okay, that means I stop eating tortillas for a day. Okay, I, like that's, that's really not much for someone that weighs as much as me. And so, speak, I, I hate when people tell me like, oh, I stopped eating chips for a week and I lost 19 pounds and I want to go, bad word you, okay? Um, and I don't, but that's what I want to do, okay? Um, so, so here's the deal. Like, so what, okay, Scott, you're talking about like honoring God with your body and long-term obedience and all this great stuff. Then why, why do I look the same as I do? I don't know, Okay. But part of it is there have been times when I've hid, times when I have um, isolated, there are times when I've excused my sin, there are times when I've had a short-term mentality, there are times when I've been not engaging my wife, but I I don't know, okay? Like I I bust my tail, okay? Like I'm up early, I'm eating well, I, I don't do much bread or carbs, I work out like crazy and I'm like not throwing around a lot of weight, I do all the kinds of work that you're supposed to do to lose weight and to be healthy. Okay, I know fat weighs more than muscle, I know, but my pants still weigh, this, or muscle weighs more than fat, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> my pants still weigh the same. Yeah, I still wear, like, my pant size is, is two inches smaller than it was, or not even, it's like one size down to another, and it's still really big. Okay, so I go, like, what's, what's the point? Okay, there are times when I go, like, why even fight this battle? Life would be so much more fun <laughs> with a bowl of ice cream and more sleep and not beating my body and working out and treating, like just, just putting it through all kinds of workout torture, I don't know. What I do know, okay, is that I'm honoring God with my body. Okay, I'm being faithful. I'm working hard. And Chris, like I can get taken out by a car today. If I die, I go, I know that I die honoring God with my body. I know I've, I'm putting my spouse and my kids first. I know that I'm making the sacrifices that I need to make to take care of myself. The number on the scale tells me that very, very little has changed. And so I've had to consistently remind myself the number on the scale, the size pants I wear does not define who I am. My job is to be faithful. My job is to involve community. My job is to love my wife. My job is to honor God with my body. My, my job is to Uh, take a long obedience in the same direction. My job is to address my sin and fight it. And I'm fighting really, really hard. And I'm not seeing the results I wanna see on the scale, 
But man, I'll tell you, like the results I'm seeing in this, like our marriage has never been better. My relationship with my kids has never been better. I've never been more real when I could work, walk into my community group, guys, and go, you know everything there is to know. I still am overweight. I still might die of heart disease. I don't know. But what I do know is that today I'm honoring God with my body. And so th- this is a little bit more of like a, Susan calls it a teachimony. It's not teaching. It's not a testimony. It's a little bit of both. But I'd love to just give you the four points that we, that we taught, that we have learned, and then pray, and then Susan's going to come up and wrap things up. So as a reminder, it's involve community. Don't isolate. Second is to, to call your sin what it really is. Don't focus and worry about your wife's sin address, or your spouse's sin. Address your sin and call it sin and deal with it. Third one is to involve your spouse in your struggle. Like my issues with eating are are Kristen's issues because we are one with each other. And so involve your spouse and involve your spouse without nagging them. The fourth thing is to take a long-term view. Re-engage is not done at lesson 16. It goes on. It's working on your marriage and your relationship with Christ until the Lord takes you or your spouse home. Okay, good, let me pray. God, thank you for your word. Thanks for, um, I pray that what we said tonight comes out of your word. I pray that, um, that what is not, that what's our opinion is just forgotten. But I pray, God, that your word would leave the impression. I pray for every couple in here that, um, I pray that they would be humble and teachable. And I pray that they would work on their uh, challenges and issues. I pray that they would open themselves up to community. I pray for all those here who are lying and hiding pray that maybe even tonight they confess to their spouse, to their leader, to their group, areas that they are uh, failing to involve others. I pray that that re-engaged groups would respond well, that leaders would respond well, that spouses would respond well when when issues that are hidden come out. God, I pray that we would deal with our sins, that we wouldn't justify them or excuse them or compare them with others. I pray that we would take a long-term view of our struggles. And God, I pray that you would help us to be one in marriage, that we would involve our spouse in every way that we can and not uh, seek to fight our battles on our own. Thanks for what you've done in our our marriage. Thanks for what you've done, the way that you've used my wife to help me become more like Christ. And thanks for the ways that you use the sin that I hate so deeply to draw me into a closer relationship with you. We love you in Christ and we pray.